0: We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try.
1: Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. It is so good to see you, brother. My God, it feels like a year. I think it's been I know. a couple of it's weeks. It's been almost three
0: weeks, I think. <laughs>
1: And you, by the way, you have this background right now. You're sitting in front of this beautiful screen. Uh, it looks Asian. You have a very white, very wise-looking, sagey kind of a beard going.
0: Yes, yes. That's what I was going for. I'm at my dear friend Abby's home, and I'm with two cats, Frank and, and Ricky, and <laughs> and my middle name's Frank, and I had a brother named Ricky. So I feel extra connected to these cats. And they're um, lovely, and my friend Abby's lovely, and it's wonderful to see her. And yeah, how are you?
1: Wow, I am well. I'm uh, I'm really glad to catch up with you. So give us, I, I've had the benefit of you texting me um, here and there about your travels, but give us a quick rundown, where in the world is... Scott Stabile, where have you been?
0: I've been a lot of places since we last spoke. We, um, where was I? Oh, when we last spoke, I think I was in Northern Michigan. Yeah. My God, it's been a, it's definitely been a journey since then. I was in Wisconsin and Iowa and Nebraska and then South Dakota and Wyoming and Nevada. And now I'm in California and I won't go into Obviously, details about the whole journey, but what I will say is, it's been a month, just over a month, with the exception of four nights, um, all in my tent, and which is what I, which is what I set out to do. And you know, when you have that experience, Jacob, of you're doing the thing you set out to do, and you're kind of in the state of disbelief, like, "Whoa, I'm really living in my tent and in my car and living outside." <laughs> Which is what I've been doing for a month—just living outside. Because wow. if I'm, I'm either in my tent or out of it or driving someplace new, and that experience has been extraordinary. The outside nature part of this life I've chosen for right now has been—it's uh, been incredibly grounding. It's been really beautiful and. And I've had moments, I was thinking about it, I've had moments every day, at least once, a period in every day where the background energy of nature becomes the foreground energy. And I feel just completely overtaken in the most beautiful way by the experience of being with the trees or the mountains or the lake, depending on where I am. And in those moments, it feels like nothing else matters. right? It feels like this connection to Earth and nature is um, it's completely revitalizing, it's completely energizing. And I was thinking about it because I was aware, it makes me aware how that's not a that hasn't been a promise of my everyday life when I'm just living life. But it's an absolute promise of nature when you're spending time in it there. I'm convinced there will come a time if you spend an, enough time outdoors, there'll come a time every day where the background becomes the foreground and the trees just remind you to be still and be quiet and be present in that it's enough just to sit and be with, the, with that energy. So for me, that's been the greatest gift of this journey. And I've had those moments, like really dramatic ones and really simple ones, but they all have that signature of just like, breathe, be still, you know, follow our lead. We're, we're, we're aligned. We, we know how to be, you know, you know how to be too, but you just forget a lot. So, so listen to us. So that's been really beautiful. That's been the most special part of it. And a a, a clear reminder to me that this has to be a major part of my life. Nature has to be a daily necessary part of my existence. You know, it has to be. I want it to be. It needs to be. It's a need. So that's a little bit of uh, what's been going on for me.
1: Could I break into your soliloquy? Um, just before we hit record, you held up a spray bottle with which you were to <laughs> squirt Frank. And what was the other cat's name? Ricky. Ricky. If they misbehaved. Well, I don't have my spray bottle at hand. So could you just toss that to me? <laughs> Are your cats misbehaving The cat right himself now? comes out, usually right in the middle of a podcast or a client session. And what he'll do, Scott, is he'll reach out a an exploratory claw and just gently stick it into the side of my leg. And it's like, mm. dude, that that's never worked for you. Like why? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking? Anyway, that's what was just happening. No, I want to go back to your nature as a teacher, nature as, as a healer. I mean, I just look, you've, you always have a, I don't know, calming sense to me, but being with you in this travel, this journey, um, You've been taking, I've watched and felt you as we've connected through the podcast here. I felt your vibe is just settled and settled and settled. And even as you're traveling a lot, even as you're having all these new experiences, um, your vibe has slowed way down in some ways. And I think that's really interesting, instructive.
0: Yeah, it's, it has. And it's also, I feel like I'm watching myself become more wild really just in the sense of i'm i'm very aware of how sanitized we are conditioned to be as humans certainly in this country mm. i'm looking at my fears around dirt and getting dirty and you know just the just the ways in which we've been raised to be and then we take on whatever whatever aspects of that conditioning we take on and run with it and certainly cleanliness like the idea of dirty feet to me was like the most disgusting thing i could have imagined you know i take pride in my clean soft bottoms of my feet and and just how silly that is and this isn't a judgment on people who take pride in their clean bottoms of their feet but it's like it feels good to walk around on the ground on the earth in the dirt and I don't believe that it only feels good or I believe that it feels good in part because it's actually good for us. It's actually healthy to connect with the earth in that way. And you know, I have this I have this knife, spoon and fork that I think I got maybe on day one from like a carry out order. You know, it's a plastic or compostable knife spoon and fork. I've had it with me all month and that's all I've been using. And to, literally the whole month it's all I've used when I'm when I'm eating. And to clean it, I just lick it, you know, and then maybe wipe it a little with my dirty paper towel napkin that I'm using and then put it back in the little plastic sheath until next time and I'm still alive. You know, it's it's these types of things, Jacob. We're we're led to believe so much about what is okay what is clean what is not clean what is sanitary what is unsanitary mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it's just bullshit so
1: honestly. i can't wait to get a picture of you with your fork or spoon <laughs> having turned into comp- compost in your mouth some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me totally you know <laughs>
0: You know, we come we we always come in not really knowing what we're going to talk about. But there there was one thing I wanted to say that I would like to to inject here. Inject. What a funny word to be using right now. Um, but put it in slow it's Scott. Just, yeah, it's just that I I want to say to everybody listening that, it, and and I feel like we. are, collectively feel this way often now and it's another one of those moments where i feel like everyone is feeling this again the weight of the world and the heaviness of what's happening whether whether you're focused on afghanistan or haiti or the pandemic mm-hmm. or the fires or um whatever else it is that is leading to more anxiety and more fear one i want to acknowledge that and and within acknowledging the heaviness that I feel so many of us are feeling in the in the sadness and pain. I just want to say that it is not this is not it is not normal for us to take in this much grief. It is not normal for us to take in this much tragedy, this much heartbreak. I mean, we were we have evolved from literally just dealing with what's going on in our small tribe to then to our villages and, and suddenly we're consuming the heartbreak and tragedy of an entire planet. And if you are feeling overwhelmed by that and, and paralyzed by it and not knowing what to do and hopeless within it, I just want to share with you that that's entirely normal. It is, it is overwhelming. For our minds, it's overwhelming for our bodies, it's overwhelming for our hearts. and with that what i what I want to share is that one thing that has helped me be present with the state of the world is one to not be so present with the state of the world honestly, but that but but also it's it's understanding that I'll give you an example of who I might have been a year ago or how I might have approached these things a year ago. I hear about what's happening in Afghanistan and I'll spend who knows how many hours reading how many articles about what's happening in Afghanistan and and feeling incredible anxiety around it, incredible grief around it, and then finding an organization that I feel good about contributing to who's maybe on the ground, doing something of value to help with that humanitarian crisis. And, and now for me in my life, I feel like I skip a lot of the middle steps because for me, I don't need to spend hours reading about what's happening in Afghanistan or hours reading about the earthquake in Haiti and, and, miring myself in the energy of that, which isn't helping Afghanis. It's not helping anyone in Haiti. So I'll either just jump to finding an organization that I feel good about supporting, whom I believe is doing some, some work on the ground that will benefit the people there, and then take my attention to other things like nature, like the trees. Because ultimately, my A to Z... I find myself at Z anyway, and what I'm eliminating is all of these hours of creating anxiety and sadness that don't serve anyone. They don't serve me, and they don't serve anyone. And I feel like sometimes we believe that when a tragedy is going on, for us to be available to it or caring about it, we have to give over hours and days of our time to being sad and unhappy and grief stricken around it. And I just want to toss out there the option, other options that you don't actually have to, to sit in the sadness of it necessarily. And look, whatever you're called to do great, but there, there are other ways you can be with yourself during the day. There are other ways you can take care of yourself during the day. And and just again to remind you, we weren't we weren't built to hold the tragedies of every nation on this planet. It's not um, sustainable for our hearts or our minds or our bodies.
1: I think that's a wrap. I think we're done with this episode. <laughs> no, Scott, thank you. I'm sitting there listening to you, and I appreciate you showing up with that to share and I've been listening to Russell Brand's book, uh, Revelation, on Audible. That's the only place Mm -hmm. it's available after I got done listening to him on a podcast with uh, Dax Shepard, I think. And in this book, he he is sharing his experience of watching uh, Dr. Beckwith um, on stage during a service get the news that some major beloved sports star had died And the audience's phones were lighting up and people were getting impacted by this news. Um, And he said, I watched Dr. Beckwith stop and take a breath. And he said, what came out next was alchemy. Because what he invited us to do was he said, we're all feeling the shock and the weight of this news. He said, we can choose right now to either internalize it, internalize our own self- involved experience of it. Oh, I feel so sad. I'm so shocked. He said, I'm not for a moment suggesting that we don't feel what we're feeling. He said, but we can either choose to turn inward and Mm -hmm. fall into ourselves, or we can choose to take that and use it to, in some way, reach out with love to someone, to reach out Mm -hmm. with love to our children, to our families, to someone We can take some action. He said, that feeling you're feeling is actually fuel, it's energy. And this right here, this moment we have when this news has hit us and impacted us, he said, now let's take a breath and experience it together and acknowledge it deeply. So when you were just sharing what you did, I was remembering that. And that's what I feel like you're asking us to do. And, you know, the example, what you're saying is note, experience it, um, feel it, but also Can you take some action? Can you give? Can you offer some way? And then from there, being in the, you know, as you know, I run a lot of these things through the polyvagal chart, being up Mm -hmm. in that high heightened anxiety or the disassociation, the freeze state really is, that's, there is no medicine in that. There is no, we go there, it happens to us, we can't deny it. But, and so I'm not suggesting we just immediately try to settle into the green zone. No, we need to feel what it was that shock, that traumatic news or experience. And then, and sometimes it's not even a single thing, like you so well said, it's this atmosphere of heaviness, of all of these things are happening. And then the reflection of saying, okay, what does that mean about my life? And a lot of that's unconscious reflection. That means everything's falling apart. That means, and things feel hopeless, things feel, and there isn't any medicine in that. There's, I'm less likely to react or respond with love, with reason, with anything good to those around me when I'm in that state.
0: Absolutely. And what you're saying is so true because I, I I hope I'm clear. It was in no way suggesting we don't feel whatever we're feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. But how you how you say that, Jacob, is so perfect that there's no medicine in that. Mm-hmm. You know, feel what you're feeling and and yet I see the compulsion in so, so many of us in this country to then become consumed with whatever tragedy is happening here or abroad as though that is the only thing happening and the only thing worthy of our attention. And for us to give our attention to anything else is not to honor what's happening abroad, you know, and it's the, it feels to be this, this vicious cycle that keeps, that keeps us as a collective locked in this, this belief that, the world is totally fucked and everything's horrible. I was just talking with my friend, Abby, who before I went live, she was making avocado toast. And she was, um, she she lives here in California, which is where I am. And she said, she was telling me how she tries to, you know, just buy California avocados because unbeknownst to me, and I'm guessing to you, there's like this whole fucking gang war drug thing happening with avocados from Central America, where literally like the people involved in the narcotics industry have got, because avocados are such a huge thing here, they've involved themselves in the avocado industry and are threatening farmers. And it was just like, she said this to me, she's she's telling me this, and I'm thinking even avocados have are evil and ruined. And I, and I, I was just like, I fu- what I said to her in that moment was like, I fucking hate this planet <laughs> you know and and the truth is jacob there is a part of me that gets in that space i look around and see the insanity from every angle even avocados yeah when there is a part of me that thinks i fucking hate this place because yeah. humans are so fucking insane and disgusting and unconscious and unevolved and and violent and it's easy to stay in that space, that energetic space where obviously there's no medicine, as you put it. I love that expression. There's no medicine in that space. It's easy to stay there when all you're tapping into are all of the the tragedies and and violences, is that even a word, that are happening across the globe. So the invitation is, for me certainly with myself, is Yes, you're going to be made aware of these things they are going on. Yes, you're going to be absorbing them. Yes, you're going to take what actions you decide to take or not in regard to them. But can we also always or often not at the same time be giving our energy over to aspects of humanity and of this planet and of ourselves and of our nature that is actually ripe with connection and love and compassion and beauty because that's an entirely other world that is existing always at the same time and when we give ourselves over to that energy what we're naturally doing is fueling more of that energy we're naturally inviting and generate generating more of what we want to see on this planet yes so without going to war against the dark we are actually combating the dark without that even being our intention my intention isn't to combat the dark as much as it is to serve the light to serve nature to serve the things that that enliven and uplift me and that 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 I have more control over. And that's been a lot of this past month, these experiences in nature where these reminders, these moments where where literally it, it feels energetically or visually how it feels if I'm sitting in a campground and it feels like the trees that have always been there. I was just in this campground in Truckee outside of Lake Tahoe surrounded by these giant pine trees, like extraordinary pine trees. And what it felt like was they were in the background and then suddenly they move and all I can see now and feel are the trees. They have completely made their presence known. And what's really happening is I've removed any resistance or blockages to them making their energy known. Yeah. And suddenly that's all that's there. Yeah. And in, and in their presence, the communication for me that I felt is like, watch us learn from us. We are rooted in this earth. We are a part of this earth. We are one with this earth, as are you if you choose to be. And if you choose to be, what comes through you is wholly different, is wholly aligned, is wholly divine. And this is the potential within you and each of your family members on this planet, should you choose to be that way. So, let's focus on giving our energy over to those things as much as possible.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> You are, um, I can tell that we shouldn't skip two weeks at a time very often, because when you show up after two weeks, you have, I, I don't mean this like you have a lot to say. I mean, you have a lot in you from what you've been picked. No, I mean, that's, that's genuine. That wasn't a sideways, uh, you know, um dig at this no Scott you you really are saying a lot today thank you for this um yeah back to just uh, because, because you know my brain I've discovered I haven't been diagnosed but I've discovered that I have a lot of symptoms so probably um ADD or whatever yeah yeah and um I was telling I was telling that to a friend yesterday and she said um I, is this a big surprise to you?" <laughs> She's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> have you met yourself? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I had another person come out to me one time and I'm, and I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's not big news, but I'm glad we could talk about it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, my ADD moment while you were talking about avocados was Scott, have you bought an avocado recently? Cause the other day I was holding an avocado. I'm like, well, it's either that or buy a fist, fist-sized chunk of cocaine. I, of course, I went with cocaine because it was cheaper, but
0: <laughs> yeah, it <And> feels better.
1: <laughs> I've never anybody who anybody who's actually into the into the cocaine world will know. I have no idea what I'm talking about right there, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. So back to back to the sacred. <laughs> By the way, that's one thing I love about this Russell Brand book is. Um, it's finding the sacred in the mundane and he's talk. And yeah. of course, in one moment, in fact, I'm going to read you a, a, something. I actually pulled over and wrote down in a text today um, from him because he said this, and it reminds me a lot of our conversations, actually. He says, our search for God is a mad quest. I wish I could do it in his accent. It's, it's so much better coming from his voice. It's like trying to fuck yourself on the dick. You're trying to fuck the essence of fuck. <laughs> looking for God. There is no separateness. And then he goes on to say, I'm sorry I've explained this in such a profane and disgusting way. I've come to realize that that's my main contribution to epistemology, to make it crude. (laughs) I love Russell Brand. And it's funny that you're bringing him up because just yesterday
0: I listened to his interview with Wim Hof. And last week I listened to the Dax Shepard interview. Oh wow! And I, I love his mind. I love his heart. I love his Courage to speak his mind yeah. and share his heart in the way that he's doing, and and challenge the agendas of everyone and everything. Yeah. And he's he's really f- fearless, and he brings, you know, I he brings to his fearlessness so much love, you know, and so much wisdom, and then so much intellect. I mean, it's ridiculous. Just trying to keep up with
1: with him is extraordinary. Well, I listened to Dax shepherd um actually open basically open the floor and say russell would you please show off for us i don't know if you got that sense yeah that's what i got though it's like man we just want to hear you talk and and russell was able to do that just go right there it was beautiful and i yeah it's
0: who he is oh my god it's just what comes through him and you know i wanted i i'm inclined jacob to bring in one of the comments slash questions we got that's a bit it's it's in line with what we're talking about right now that would be great yeah okay it's uh it's from david whom i know well it says hey guys i'm thoroughly enjoying your podcasts i have followed scott for a couple of years and consider him a friend hi david i am so glad to have been introduced to you jacob i appreciate your deep insights i haven't listened to all of the podcasts so you may have already addressed this if so please let me know which episode okay i would like to hear your perspective on something that i have become more consciously aware of recently I am aware of an underlying bed of anxiety slash fear that pervades my life experience. It is always there. I want to be free of it. I feel I must be free of it so I can live my life more fully and joyously. Is this a universal human experience? Is it a manifestation of the ego structure? Is it simply existential angst? Is it something to be aware of, inquire about, and be with without resistance? Do you have any thoughts on this that might be helpful? I assume I am not the only one who experiences this. If so, then I guess I need professional help, huh? Thank you. Love you both. Do you have any thoughts you want to share on that?
1: Well, David's list of, you know, is it this? Is it this? Is this? I mean, I'm just sitting there nodding my head. Yep. It's that. It's that. It's that. It's all those things. And is it, and is it what, read that part where he said, is it something to be aware of and inquire? What was that sentence that he said?
0: Is this a universal human experience? I believe it is Mm -hmm. um, to some degree in all of us. Is it a manifestation of the ego structure? Is it simply existential angst? Is it something to be aware of, inquire about, and be with without resistance? Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, Scott, it was interesting. I I love that you brought that in. And let me just take a moment and say what, what a joy it is to have people sending us comments through our website. Truly. I get so excited when you forward them to me. Yeah. Yeah. So just take a moment, um, a non-commercial break. We're not getting paid for saying this. Uh, Yeah. Hey, Hey, Jacob, hi, Scott.com. And there's a, there's a comment box on there. So we love to hear from you. And as I'll say, I'll say it again, but um, if you don't want it read on the air or there's a portion of it you don't want, please make sure and say that because we want to respect your privacy. Um, Scott, when you were talking right before I had my ADD moment and went back and talked about avocados and cocaine, um, no, when you were talking about that experience of being in the classroom, (laughs) sanctuary of nature, having the trees talk to you, becoming so aware of the nonverbal communication you were getting of that depth of this is the message. You are not separate from this beautiful system, this amazing supportive system that works, whether we know it's working or not. And one thing I'd like to say to David, um, I'm looking here at this polyvagal chart. Um, Sometime maybe I'll be able to post it somewhere, Scott, where everyone can see what we're talking about. But um, the attributes of the green zone, which is the Bottom layer. It's when we settle our nervous systems down to where we actually feel hmm, deeply relaxed. So there's lots of ways of getting there. You know, contemplation, Scott's sitting out in nature, um, mindfulness, meditation, all these different ways. But I would like to just read a few of the of the characteristics of what happens in here. So the high level, joy, in the present, groundedness curiosity and an openness, compassion, a sense of being mindful, connection, safety, oriented to the environment. Now, those, Scott, for the circles we've moved in for a lot of years, those are the holy grail of self-help, personal development, spirituality. Many There are many wisdom traditions built entirely to help us get there. But what I want to also look at just briefly is what happens in our bodies. And this is why I call it medicine, is this actually physically... Healing us to settle into this state out of the anxious, out of the fight and flight, out of the numbness and freeze and shutdown and shame of the um, freeze zone. So, some of the things that are happening in our bodies when we take the time to unplug, to go into nature, to go into silence, some things increase. Our digestion increases, uh, our resistance to infection, our immune response overall rest and recuperation, circulation to the non-vital organs like our skin and extremities. Here's what I love, oxytocin. So we actually begin to generate neurochemicals, oxytocin, that is involved in social bonds that allow immobility without fear. It allows us to sit still with other people or even with ourselves and not be, not be, feeling fear, not be feeling hypervigilant. I should be getting up and doing something right now, that actual deep relaxation. It also decreases our defense responses. So Scott, I know this is a bit on the technical side, but one thing I just want to say is sometimes it's so easy to talk about the value of what you're doing out there in the woods, the value of slowing way down. Now we are actually being able to see it like, yes, David, this is a pervasive um ubiquitous human experience. Yes, it is part of our existential angst. Yes, it is part of our prefrontal cortex ability to tell stories about reality and make up stories about the future and all of that. It is common to all of us. Yes, it does bear the attention, the awareness, and then the action or non-action of saying, and the very best thing I can do for myself and for those around me is to actually go into a state where my body and mind can settle down into this zone. And we can talk about some of the reasons why that can be difficult for people, for all of us, for me, um, the reasons we resist it. But I wanted to share that, Scott, to say it's, we can gloss over at 30,000 feet and say, yes, no, it's a good idea to always do these things, or this is what I do. I like to bring it down into here's a why, here's a why to do it even for five or 10 minutes per day.
0: And what's the it? So when you think of doing it, what are the it's you'd recommend? Like meditation, writing, is that, is that what you're talking about?
1: Well, yeah, or or like you, going out there and walking around, walking around in bare feet, experiencing nature. Scott, we're learning so much. If you haven't watched the movie Fantastic Fungi, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on this series yeah. before. But we don't even fully yet know how much information is being communicated all around us all of the time. And when we put our skin in some version of the mycelium network, we don't even know that we're actually probably plugging into a flow of information and healing that is not available to us when we're closed off from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing all that. Um, I, I, I also want to say to David, you know, one, I I do believe what you're experiencing is universal, to some degree or another, in most of us. You say it is there all the time, and I'd like to just challenge that statement a little and ask you, and ask you to really um, bring awareness to yourself throughout the day. To see if that's true Mm -hmm. because what i suspect is there are moments and i suspect this because i also know you so (laughs) and love you um i suspect there are moments where it's not there maybe it's when you're singing maybe it's in meditation maybe it's when you're guiding meditation Mm -hmm. and the reason i bring this up is because if we can start noticing when we're feeling this existential dread or this anxiety in our bodies and pay attention and clock that moment, like what you're doing in that moment. Oh, I'm, I'm scrolling through a news app Mm -hmm. and I'm feeling this existential dread in my body. That is clear information that you're being given that this is not good for me. Right. Or I, or whatever other examples you want to use. And conversely, if you start paying attention to the moments in your day when you're feeling grounded or you're feeling a little more easy or a little more at peace, and maybe it's when you are singing, or maybe it's when you're taking a walk, or maybe it's when you're sitting with the trees, and you can clock that and note it, write it down. These are the things I'm doing that actually bring me a deeper sense of peace. Because you asked if it's part of the ego structure, and to that I would say 100% yes because the existential dread or these feelings of anxiety, they are coming from our minds. They are coming from the projections our minds are placing on the realities that we're experiencing. And when we're operating from that soul place or that heart-centered place or that source-centered place, and I know, David, you connect to the, the language that I'm using. When you're connecting to that place, there is not fear and anxiety in that place. And I know you know this. And so it's only when we are out of sync, we're out of alignment with source, with the God energy within us, with our hearts, that we suddenly become caught up in all of our fears and anxieties. So this is my experience. This is my understanding of how this works. So I know that I benefit from taking actions that bring me back to source and i believe we all benefit from taking actions that bring us back to our hearts that bring us back to our souls that bring us back to the divine within us and then the homework for each of us becomes figuring out what those actions are and equally as important as figuring out what the actions we can take are is beginning to eliminate the actions that we're taking that stoke that anxiety and fear And for me, this is a lifelong journey because everything I'm saying is easier said than done. Right. Which doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. It just means that it takes intention and it takes energy and it takes work, but it's the kind of work that pays off with more moments of peace, more moments where you're actually living outside that sense of existential dread because you spent 15 minutes singing or walking. And that was 15 minutes, intentional minutes you gave to yourself in that day that created something other. And it's in those moments that you're able to see that that other exists. That there is something other than existential dread, there's something other than anxiety, there's something other than depression, there's something other than what our minds want us to believe, we are incapable of moving beyond. And even one moment of that other is an invitation to seek more and more moments of it.
1: So Scott, I love that you started this part of the conversation with, you know, the, what's going on out there. Um, And here we are talking to David now and listening to David. Um, And I, I can just feel in your invitation to these, the singing, the, the various ways we're talking about, about being in the green zone or whatever we want to call that. And I can also sort of imagine thoughts being, how dare I go do something to feel good when there is so much around me, so many people, so much suffering, so much fear. And so I just feel like it's so good to loop these things together and say, look, this is why there's a reason to do it.
0: Yes. Well, I'm using singing, by the way, specifically because David has an extraordinary singing voice. Um, But yes, what you're saying, because you do not help someone out of misery by being miserable yourself this isn't this isn't it that's not the way to do it and again this isn't when we say these things i i always am sensitive to the the people who receive this is like you can just make yourself un like it's uh you know what i mean like it's just you turn the switch off sorry let me put this do not disturb but what what i'm saying is we have this sense that we are somehow dishonoring the pain of others Mm -hmm. if we're feeling joyful or if we're not diving into that same pain with them. And I simply do not believe that's true. There is an energy to joy. There is an energy to celebration. There is an energy to your connection to nature that it's all energy. And so when you are experiencing joy, what you are putting out there into the world, I believe Mm -hmm is joy, is the energy of joy, is something else for others to connect with, is something else for you to be connecting with. And we we need it. It's, it's imperative. It's not just a luxury. It's a necessity. Joy is a necessity. It is a necessity. So if you are in any way feeling guilty about being joyful for some aspect of your life, while there's so much pain and tragedy, I implore you, not to, if you're able to, and and dive into your joy, because your joy may be the thing that triggers joy in another human being on this planet who was moments before caught up in all of the tragedy and insanity. Because the thing about it, Jacob, is all of this insanity is real. This violence is real and it's out there But all of the beauty is real, too. Mm -hmm. And we guilt ourselves into denying the beauty in, in support of the insanity instead of recognizing that we are not serving the world by denying the beauty. The beauty needs to be honored as well it needs to be celebrated as well this is how we 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 create more balance on our planet and hopefully that balance will someday steer more toward the beauty but but i promise you you know you know if you're david brought up this sense of ex, ex, existential dread that he's always feeling and a lot of us can relate to i promise you if you're spending time viewing laughing babies on Instagram or petting your dog and cat or or looking into people who are doing extraordinary work in the world, in those moments that you're spending doing that, you're not as likely to be in a place of existential dread. It's just not how it works. It's all energy.
1: It's very true. You know, and even something as simple as I heard that Barack Obama, when he was in the middle of some of the most intense days mm-hmm. of his presidency, was a big fan of those crazy cat memes The I can has cheeseburger or whatever would just go and would go and and scroll through a bunch and just sit there and laugh. Just, just, just to actually feel laughter in his body. Right. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Everyone
0: needs it. That's the thing. It's not just we, it's everyone who needs it.
1: No, it is. And this, you know, and again, I adding in some of the nervous system stuff, you know, I'm so sensitive to my, Brother and some dear friends who are just highly intellectual, and when they go, oh, so you're at, you're saying, these people over here you usually talk to would would get it if you say it's it's good or important to get into a state of joy, but then you add this stuff and they go, oh, you mean, you mean, I just need to go and laugh. My, I can see my brother's face right now, you know, kind of serious brows, like, oh, I just need to go laugh because that's actually gonna do good stuff in my nervous system. they will put it on a checklist and go do it later. <laughs>
0: I love that though, I do too. because I love that whatever works for people. <laughs> if you have to put it on your to-do list to laugh, then put it on your to-do list and make
1: sure you check it off. That's right. No, completely. And um, I also want to f- sort of zoom back out a little bit, Scott, and frame everything you've shared with us today in the what we've talked about over the course of several episodes. But frame your commitment to your bathing in your willingness to continue to bathe in this experience. You feel you're being led through. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what I've gotten from you. I'm being led through this experience of not having all the plans laid out, not pushing myself on social media constantly, all of these ways that you've changed for a while or forever for whatever. And that sounds wonderful, but I'd also like to keep in mind that you are in a position where if you were allowing yourself to perseverate and constantly worry, you could probably be in a state of existential dread most of the time, given just given, look, I don't have a job. I don't have, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. And and I also want to say that the part of the experience for me of being in nature is there's so much peace that comes with it, but there's also a, a lot of fear. You know, for for my mind and the camping, and especially when I'm I'm boondocking, which is camping like not on campgrounds, but just wherever, you know. And I was camping recently on in Wyoming at this boondocking location, which was up this windy dirt road onto the top of this mountain that suddenly became kind of like a desert prairie plateau, and then followed this other dirt road a few miles in. So it's the most alone I've ever felt camping. Like there was no one around anywhere. And I noticed some mountain lion tracks near where I set up camp and they didn't look fresh to me. Not that I'm a tracker. I don't really know, but they definitely looked like big cat prints. And I know that there were mountain lions in that area. So part of the experience of being there was part of my mind is consumed with mountain lions and, being eaten by mountain lions, and and then the sun is setting, in this radiant, radiant sunset in tangerine sky. And so I'm sitting in this chair, and my camp chair, and I had my camp chair backed up to my car so that a lion couldn't come up from behind me. It'd have to like come around the side of the car. It, it gave me a little more time. This is my thinking. And so I'm watching the sunset and feeling just the the quiet out there. It was so quiet and feeling so wildly peaceful. And then another part of me having this fear, like this really present fear and awareness of mountain lions and being with all of it, you know, for me, it was another reminder that if you're going to make choices that are aligned with your heart, that you feel called to do, there is zero possibility that those choices are not also going to stoke potentially innumerable fears for innumerable reasons and those reasons aren't necessarily going to be that you feel you're going to be killed by a mountain lion but they're going to be that you're going to fear your your family and friends are going to judge you terribly for what you're doing or your your deep fear that you're going to fail at what you're doing or you're going to lose your your resources that you now have to take this risk all of these fears it's the same thing it's the same understanding that we always have a choice to allow the fears that are absolutely certain when we're taking risks aligned with our heart and truth We have a choice to allow those fears to prevent us from moving forward, or we can accept that fear is part of this process, it's part of this experience as a human being, and we can move forward and just as much as possible expand our energy fields to hold that fear along with all the excitement we're feeling and curiosity we're feeling, whatever else we're feeling about making these changes. Hold space for the fear too be the expansive being you're able to be so that when you're feeling that fear it doesn't become so dominant that it paralyzes you it just becomes one more player in this wide field of players and this wide expansive experience of being a human being and it's not the one that's, that's controlling your story anymore
1: yeah <laughs> It's trying to cook up something really profound is like no, just just yeah,
0: yeah. But I want to I want to say what I did. I, I did write about this the other day and and shared it on Instagram. But what I did later is I looked up mountain lion attacks, and what I found was that in the past 100 years, there's been about 100 attacks of mountain lions on humans, and 27 fatalities in 100 years. So the likelihood of you being attacked or killed by a mountain lion is you are, you have a greater likelihood of being struck and killed by lightning or drowning in a bathtub. And I have to tell you, Jacob, reading these, these statistics and these numbers and absorbing them, it really did help me. It didn't alleviate all of the fear. It didn't eliminate all the fear, but it was like your fear is not rational yeah so it's okay that you have it but it's not rooted in in rational thinking in in what i was reading it even said if mountain lions were interested in humans you would hear about attacks daily yeah they would be attacking humans daily if they had wanted anything to do with human beings they don't
1: by the way i really wish you had texted me when you were having that when you were there having that fear because I read about someone who got killed by a mountain lion this year. And I think that's it. I think they only get to kill one <laughs> human.
0: Well, I talked to my friend Gore in the day after, and I was telling him all this and telling him how it's, it's less likely than drowning in a bathtub. And he's like, well, not for you because you don't have a bathtub. <laughs> so that's his, <laughs> So by that logic, it's true. I'm more likely to get killed by a mountain lion than drowning in a bathtub right now in my life. But in general,
1: yeah, you filthy hippie. Right? There's no chance you're drowning in a bathtub. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. I'm not even bathing. You know, Jacob. I was talking about sanitize, sanitation earlier and how sanitized we are. And I recently went. I went eight days without a shower, and I would. I was taking. I would swim in mountain lakes, and that would count as my shower. And it. What's funny to me is a year ago, if I swam in a lake, I would need to take a shower after, you know what I mean? I'm like, I've got to wash the lake off me. And now if there's a mountain lake, I'm like, oh my God, thank God I can swim and I'm clean again. Right. So it's all perspective.
1: (laughs) Well, I will say if you were swimming in a lake by Detroit, you probably should shower. (laughs)
0: No, I wasn't. Yes, yes, yes. Mountain lakes are different. I'm kidding.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, do you ever, do you ever take people through like just at the beginning of a workshop or something I know you're getting ready to be in Esalen right no
0: Canyon Ranch tomorrow oh, in right. Woodside California oh my God. yeah I'm excited about that I'll be there for four nights it's going to be beautiful man well we're gonna to- my first thing out in the world I'm actually curious to see how it's going to be to just be facilitating with people in a room again you know <laughs> so
1: let's let's uh let's do a dry run here um with all of our listeners, like when you sit down and just kind of invite people into presence, maybe a very simple meditative practice or something, would you would you actually just walk us through it? Like, let's do it together. Are you willing to? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I
0: would really just, you know, ask you to close your eyes for a second and get comfortable. However you are seated or lying down, whatever's most comfortable for you. Just allow yourself to be um, comfortable in your body as much as you are able. Allow yourself to breathe in whatever way feels natural. You don't have to force deep breaths or any kind of breathing. And just with each inhale, settle into your body more. Settle into this present moment more. Understand that whatever is happening outside of this moment will be there. You don't need to give your energy to that right now. You can give your energy to this space right now. You can give your energy to your commitment to be present with something that is serving your heart right now. You can take a moment to honor yourself for showing up for yourself in this way for showing up, for your growth, for your healing, for this expression of self-love. And just continue to allow your breaths to take you deeper into your heart space, into that place within you that knows only love, only love for you, and everyone else. Take yourself into your heart space. Really breathe into your heart. Breathe into the abundant love that is alive within you. And let yourself feel that love from you to you, knowing and trusting that when you're in your heart, the message there is that you are enough always. You are worthy always. You are beautiful always. Continue to let your breaths lead you into your heart ever more deeply. Allow yourself to feel the love that is surging through your being, that is emanating from your heart. If you feel inclined, hold your hands over your heart. And from yourself to yourself, repeat after me out loud. I love you. I love you you so so much. I see your beauty. I see your worth. I see your strength. And I love you. I love you so much. When you feel ready, you can start coming back into your body, become aware of your body, if you're seated or lying down. Take a final breath or two. You can open your eyes and come back into the space.
1: It's a pretty common experience for me, Scott. When I'm in the middle of a busy day, if I do something like this, and especially right now to have emotion come up, I have little tears in my eyes right now, just going through that with you right there. That sense of coming home, of of relief, of all those things. And I thank you so much for doing that spontaneously. Um, sure. Yeah, I like to... I like to say, show me, don't tell me, help me experience it. You know, so thank you for actually giving us a moment and that right in the middle of a conversation, right in the middle of a a day, a life, that right there, that two or three minutes that you just shared, you invited us into ourselves. That's what we've been talking about this whole time.
0: Yeah, the potential within each of us to shift our energy in a moment to remember who we are at our core and remember that who we are at our core is always available to us. And you hear the expression, and I've said a thousand times, go within, go within, go within. And that's really what I'm talking about. When I'm saying go within to myself or others, it's go within to your heart. Go within to that place of love within you that is so deep and true and steady that all it has for you and everyone else on this planet is love. That's all that's there. And within that love, there's deep compassion. There's deep forgiveness. There's deep openness. And for me, Jacob, this is how we heal our world the more and more of us who are able to sink into that place and to then speak and act and be from that place, to move from that place and share from that place. Um, This is how we change our world. This is how we heal our world. It's through love. It's always been through love. It will always be. But it it takes commitment. It takes commitment from each and every one of us who's willing to jump on the love train. But there's no place I'd rather be.
1: I feel this I feel this like hush, this really a, you talk about the shift, you know, shifting yeah. down shifting, inward shifting, whatever it might be called. no, and the and the sense of safety here, the sense of relief. I have several other meetings today, um, getting ready to take off tomorrow, and just just these few moments of doing that with you and sharing it with everyone else who's listening. And if you were driving, I'd, I'd encourage you to come back if you need to, unless you have your own practice, I encourage you to rewind and actually go through that two or three minutes worth. People, sometimes it's so easy, myself included. It's got to be 20 minutes. It has to be an hour. It has to be all these things mm. like two minutes of settling into that space is yeah. a, is a dose. It's a dose of the best medicine. It's, it's right there all the time,
0: you know. Nice. It feels like maybe a good way to, yeah. to close
1: it out. Yeah. I think so. Well, brother, I am so excited about sharing with you again. When we come back together, I'll be traveling and, um, getting back, I think on Tuesday of next week. So we'll figure out when we do our next one and share it with everyone.
0: Absolutely. And to all of you listening, thank you so much for being here and just sending you all so much love and support and, and compassion. Like, we're all in this together, and we're all making our way through it together. So, yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you.
1: It's
0: up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.